0: The reading today is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1 and verses 1 to 10, and can be found in the Church Bibles on page 1186. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols and serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's pray uh, as we look at this passage, and then um, we can see what it means for us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, so much for your word, the Bible, We thank you for the encouragements and the challenges that we find in it, and we pray that as we look at this passage this morning, we would be uh, encouraged as a church, as individuals, Uh, and we pray that we also might listen carefully to the challenges that it presents to us as well moving forward. We ask that you'd humble our hearts and give us minds that can understand uh, and hearts that are able to accept what you teach us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there were just um, two contestants at the start line. Uh, The crowd was watching with lots of anticipation about what was going to happen, and then silence uh, fell. Uh, I'm not talking about that strange event that goes on in the velodrome with just two bikes. Um, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, But silence fell, and the gun went bang, and you know the story very well. The hare, he flew out of the blocks, and he made an incredible start. He was round the first bend before the tortoise had even taken his first step, Uh, He was round half the course before the tortoise had even reached the first bend. Uh, He made an incredible start. But we all know uh, what happened. Complacency uh, set in, and the hare took his foot off the pedal. While he slept at the side of the road, put his feet up, Uh, the tortoise, slow and steady, overtook, and he won the race instead. And I'm sure you can imagine, can't you, the wild celebrations in the tortoise camp. (laughs) But ignore them uh, for just a moment. Um, I tell you this story not because of the tortoise, but because uh, Christians have a real tendency to become like spiritual hares. Individuals who start off really well in the Christian life, often very well, but after a few years, sometimes many years, they take their foot off the pedal and some even grind to a halt. And because the church uh, is made up of individual Christians, when individual Christians take their foot off the pedal, well, whole churches can wilt and die. Perhaps you know of uh, somebody in your own life who once came along to church full of joy and enthusiasm for following Jesus. They were very serious about uh, tackling sin in their lives. Uh, they appeared uh, focused on following Jesus closely and eager to take every opportunity to share their faith. But for whatever reason, they became half-hearted. They became consumers rather than contributors uh, in church life. Perhaps they became disillusioned uh, by God because of personal uh, difficulties, difficult personal times. Or maybe they were uh, simply lured away, perhaps ...by other things that the world could offer them... ...that at that time seemed better... uh, ...seemed more important, seemed more exciting. I can think of a very good uh, friend... ...Christian friend who I led a CU with uh, in college. I'd invited him along to a holiday club actually... ...and he'd become uh, a Christian seemingly. He was involved in leading uh, a really big Christian union... uh, ...up in the north of England, that's above Oxford. Um, (laughs) Sadly, sadly though... Uh, He got involved in a really unhelpful relationship, which over time compromised his Christian morals. You probably know what happened next. He stopped going to church, and now he's completely wandered away from the Christian faith. Uh, And he's even refused to speak to myself and another Christian friend when we try to talk to him uh, about anything, not just Christian things. It's really sad, isn't it, that many who start well take their foot off the pedal and they stagnate And perhaps as I mentioned some of those things, you might even recognise some of those things happening in your own life, where there's a challenge in these verses to us this morning, if that's you. But there's also a really big challenge for those of us who are going on well with the Lord, not to become like spiritual hairs. You see, this uh, letter to the Thessalonians wasn't written to backsliding or sleepy Christians. It was written to Christians who were going on incredibly well with the Lord. Just look back through uh, the passage with me briefly. So impressive was the faith of the Thessalonians. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul himself tells them when he prays, he thanks God always for all of them. There was so much evidence of genuine and real faith that in verse 4, he says, we know... Brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. You see, the gospel had come to the Thessalonians and completely transformed their lives. Verse 5, it didn't just come with words, but it came with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. In other words, God powerfully and obviously transformed their lives through the good news of the Lord Jesus. And so big and obvious is that change. Paul says, we know, we know, we're sure you are chosen by God. That's a remarkable thing to hear, isn't it? From the Apostle Paul himself. And look look at what else he says in verse 7. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's modern day Greece to us and a little bit further north uh, as well. Uh, that's a little bit like Paul saying that the church in Baisley Stoke collectively has become uh, the standout example of Christian faith to the whole of England, uh, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Wildacood Island as well. But it's more than that. Look at verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achai, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Isn't that an incredible statement for Paul to make? Their Christian example is so good, the teaching of the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to be careful saying this, but it's almost made redundant. It doesn't need to explain what the Christian faith looks like because their example is so good. And so what we see in this passage, first of all, is an excellent example, a model of Christian faith to learn from and aspire to. And I hope, um, as you do, as I've done, as I've looked at it, you'll see some very encouraging signs uh, about St. Mary's Church and many of the individuals in it. But we also uh, need to look at the bigger picture, which we'll come to later, because Paul, as I've said, didn't just write to pat them on the back, I mean, he did write to encourage them, but he wrote to urge them not to take their foot off the pedal. Uh, A few times in this uh, letter, he tells them to live as they were doing, more and more. That little phrase comes up in chapter 4, verse 1, and verse 10. And there's something very similar along those lines in chapter 3, verse 12, and chapter 5, verse 11. The idea that they're not to take their foot off the pedal, even if they're doing really well. So that's the second thing uh, we'll look at. But firstly, uh, the genuine Christian believer. What are the standout features of a transformed gospel life? Look back uh, through the passage. uh, And we're going to start in verse 3. And there are three things in there for us to see. A genuine Christian believer is marked by faith that works, love that labours, and hope that endures. Often uh, Christians uh, and the church are seen by the world, aren't they, as something where faith is essentially let go and let God. It's sit down and sit still, Christianity. Or it's seen as being a a fluffy, cuddly, uh, lovey-dovey, almost hippie uh, kind of weird loving community. And often Christians uh, can be seen as flaky, fair-weather Christians, where faith becomes pretty useless and evaporates When tough times hit. Perhaps we can forgive the world, though, for looking at the church and thinking that sometimes. But the marks of a genuine Christian believer, some of the vital signs, if you like, are of faith that works, a love that labours, and a hope that endures. Rather than sit-still Christianity, genuine faith in the gospel produces good works, hard works. It transforms people to be busy and occupied doing God's work in his world as his ambassadors. They're not working to be saved, but they work because they have been saved. They want to represent Jesus as Lord in their daily lives, in their actions, in their words. And as Charles uh, Spurgeon uh, puts it, they don't just pray as if it all depends on God. They work as if it all depends on them. And rather than fluffy, hippie love, genuine Christianity produces a labour of love, love that is hard work and difficult, love that's sacrificial and costly, Uh, love that's deeply, deeply concerned with the eternal welfare of people's souls, even really difficult people who don't always love us back, or at all. That's, of course, how God has loved us, isn't it, in the Lord Jesus? Or genuine faith is identified by love that looks something like that. Lastly, verse 3, genuine Christianity is not about flaky, fair-weather faith that gives up when it gets tough. Genuine Christians endure in hope. If you know a little bit about the Thessalonians, uh, you'll know that their faith was challenged right from the off. Verse 6 tells us that they faced uh, affliction when they received the gospel but they still received it with joy. Uh, They were persecuted. Do, uh, later on this afternoon, perhaps look up uh, Acts 17. You can see how they were opposed and attacked by an angry mob uh, of Jews. Life was tough for them. And it can be for Christians today who will and do face significant struggles at, at times, not just persecution either. But like the Thessalonians, a genuine Christian faith is not moved when difficult times come. That is because uh, they know that their real hope, their real inheritance from God, is not to be fully found in the here and now. It's in the glory of God's heavenly kingdom that's still to come. Genuine Christians hold fast, waiting for that perfect, imperishable, fully satisfying, eternal life promised to them. They're waiting for that world where God says he's going to wipe away every tear where there'll be no more crying or suffering or pain. And so they don't throw the towel in on God when life gets tough. Now, they might not understand everything. They might struggle to do that. But they recognize God is with them, and somehow he's working for that good. And often, even in the deepest possible pain, they're able to joyfully say it's well with their soul. Now, having been at St. Mary's for seven years, and Anna's been here for quite a bit longer. One of the things that's uh, most sad for us as we look to move on is that we're leaving a church family where there's so much evidence that this church is full of people with genuine faith. It's a church where so many people demonstrate faith that works, love that labours and hope that endures. I'm particularly uh, grateful for being able to serve with the youth teams, uh, many others but particularly the youth teams I think of of those who really do work so incredibly hard. They hear last thing on a Friday and first thing on a Sunday. And unlike me, uh, they don't get paid for it. And there are, of course, plenty of other groups as well, aren't there, that are the same. And lots of other things that go on behind the scenes in people's lives. Together, Anna and I, we've experienced uh, the generosity and kind love of people, often at a personal cost to them. When we got married, uh, and also since Lola's arrived, there are two great examples uh, of that. But there are also plenty of individuals who know who they are, and I won't name them, but they've consistently loved and cared for us sacrificially, not just practically, uh, but spurring us on in our Christian walks uh, when perhaps life has been a little more difficult. Then, of course, uh, you'll know, as I do, the inspiring testimonies of those who've endured through some really difficult challenges in life. But throughout it, they've clung fast to the great hope of the gospel, even when their future looked very bleak indeed. They're just some of the things that we've been encouraged by, and I hope you are too. But there's more encouragement too uh, in this passage. Look at the summary report uh, in verse 9 to 10. This is what Paul heard. They tell... How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Genuine Christianity here is summed up as three things, turning, serving, and waiting. The Thessalonians aren't just a a nice group of people who try not to sin too much. They're a forgiven group of people whose number one priority in life is God and his glory he's got the supreme authority over their lives he's supremely valuable to them and so they don't seek to serve themselves anymore or their own agendas they seek to serve God and his will in everything that they do and they're not focused or distracted by the things this world could offer them idols the only really significant date in their diary is when Jesus returns to rescue them That is their hope. And that's what they live for. That's what they're waiting for. Now, it was said last night, St. Mary's is not a perfect church. All of us are here for a start. Makes it difficult, doesn't it? But it is a very faithful church, full of genuine Christian believers, transformed by the gospel. People who, by God's grace, have and continue to turn to God from idols, faithfully serve him, and who are waiting until he returns. Now you can probably think of many other examples and encouragements, and we should be really encouraged, because when uh, I look through this passage, so many people's faces uh, come up in my mind. There are sure signs, aren't there, in this church of God's work, that he has chosen and changed people for his purposes. And so be encouraged, and be incredibly thankful to God for his work. We Uh, both really are. And allow me a a little aside, if I can. It's worth recognising that the Thessalonians were able to become such good examples because of the example and the teaching they received from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Just look uh, at verse 6. You can see it there. They imitated those guys. And that's also true of St. Mary's. This church is incredibly blessed uh, to have the teaching and example that it has, uh, particularly uh, in Clive uh, and Caroline, uh, others as well. It's another reason to be incredibly thankful for this church, for its faithful leadership in teaching and example. And having stolen uh, the vicar's daughter as a wife, I've seen a little bit more uh, of Clive's life as well as some of you. And it's incredibly consistent uh, with what he teaches you. With all the encouragement, though, we must not think we are complete and become complacent. The finishing line isn't here. There's a danger that we become like spiritual hairs. Just think uh, for a moment, if Paul was warning these model Christians and he took the time to write a letter to them, we surely need to listen up as well, don't we? We should be thankful, Uh, we should be assured when we see these signs, they're good signs. But even healthy Christians, even healthy churches, can slip into sickness. Think of my friend at college, or others who you've known, who've started well, but for whatever reason have wandered and strayed. We also need to realise we're very susceptible. It's easy to turn away from God, isn't it? To serve other things, uh, to begin to focus on other things of this world It's easy to stop working so hard for the gospel to put our feet up or to put our energies into less important things. It's easy just to love ourselves or not to love when it begins to cost us or starts to hurt or threaten our own comfort. It's really easy to become bogged down in the difficulties of life and give up on the Christian faith because we lose sight of that incredible hope of eternal life. John Piper uh, makes a really helpful comment on just how our sinful nature uh, subtly and quickly leaves us taking our foot off the pedal. He says, I'm wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of God's grace. It is a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who force me again and again toward a wartime mindset. I'm sure that statement rings true for many of you as it does for me and it's worth isn't it doing a little spiritual health check on ourselves are you living out the kind of life christian life that paul holds up as an excellent example to us of course you won't be doing it perfectly because like me you're a sinner and you struggle to live the christian life there'll be aspects that you need to work on with god's help But perhaps think about it like this. If Paul were to hear a report on your Christian life, what kind of things would he hear? Maybe you're someone who has become a bit half-hearted, a bit lackluster in your Christian faith, maybe for quite some time. Well, be thankful that in these verses, Paul gives us an example of genuine Christianity that reminds us how we should be living. Be reminded you don't need to work hard to get back into God's Good books. Verse 10, doesn't it? Reminds us that God's in the business of a rescue operation. He's done all he needs to do to rescue us by sending Christ to die for you and by raising him again from the dead to give you that great hope. But do consider what you do from today. If we keep at this lackluster response to the Lord Jesus, who loved us enough to lay down his life for us, it's not appropriate, is it? And it's a very slippery slope. You could be in the same danger as my friend was. Of course, if you're not uh, a Christian, it's also true uh, for you. God sent Jesus into the world not to condemn you, but to rescue you. Uh, the proof of that is that he sent Jesus to die in this world, and he raised him uh, from the dead. If you've never heard that before, can I encourage you uh, to look into it? Those verses talk about God's wrath or his rescue. Uh, We run courses here all of the time. Uh, You'd have a great time on a Christianity Explored course or similar to find out a little bit more. But that's how much uh, he loves you. He died for you, and he rose again. And like he did with the Thessalonians, he will begin his saving work in you if you turn to trust him. You could even start the Christian race uh, now by recognising your sin, and turning into the Lord Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. But what about you if you're someone who is walking well with the Lord? Well, be encouraged. But listen to what Paul says in Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. You might like just to turn there briefly. He says, Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Now, some of you uh, might have been uh, brave enough uh, to stay up and watch the Olympics uh, till whatever time it was in the morning. You might have seen Mo Farah uh, winning the 5,000 and 10,000 metres. What's incredible about that is that it's not just uh, the double-double consecutive Olympics, but it's how he wins them, isn't it? Uh, After thousands of metres, most of us would perhaps manage a lap, and we'd be miles behind. But after thousands of metres, at what is pretty close to a sprint for most of us the whole way around, in the last few hundred metres, he seems to find another level, doesn't he? And the commentators, I noticed, said he's kicking on towards the finish line. Now I wonder, will Paul say that of your Christian life? Are you kicking on more and more? Are you pressing on Have you got that kind of mindset? That's what every Christian uh, should do. And that's what we're challenged uh, to do, regardless of how many encouragements we can see. Kick on more and more. Now, as we head off um, to college uh, this week, as we move on from St. Mary's, can I ask that you would pray that uh, for Anna and I, and for Lola as well. Uh, Pray that we'd grow to uh, know Jesus and to live for him more and more. Uh, Pray that we wouldn't grow complacent when things are going well. And pray that we wouldn't give up uh, when things get difficult. Uh, That's what we'll be praying uh, for you guys uh, as we go. Because individually, uh, if we become spiritual hares, we're in danger. But when individuals become like that, whole churches can wilt and die. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? to be part of something like that. Why don't we pray uh, that God would help us, that we'd be encouraged, but that we'd keep on more and more in our Christian lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of the Thessalonians. We thank you for the encouragements that we can find. And we thank you too for the challenge uh, to kick on to continue in the Christian life, uh, living for Jesus more and more. We recognize that we need your help uh, to do that, and we pray that you would give it to us. And we pray that you would help us to cooperate with you as you work in our lives, so that none of us would become spiritual hairs uh, and drop off as a Christian. Help us to do that uh, as we continue to turn to you and serve you, and wait for the Lord Jesus uh, to come back. We ask in his name and for his glory. Amen.